Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Season 7. Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Episode 4. Reunited at last, and it feels so good! Padawan Sarah and Jedi Master Kaleen journey back to War Torn Anaxes with General Skywalker, Echo, Rex, and the Bad Batch. While delighted that Clone Trooper Echo is miraculously alive, Kaleen and Sarah privately wonder where his loyalties lied before this first four-part arc ended. Let's catch up with our dynamic Jedi duo and dive back into the fray on Anaxes as we take a detailed dorky dive into Episode 4, Unfinished Business. Welcome, ravenous streamers and culture consumers aboard Bohemian Geek Studies Millennium Fandom. I'm Padawan learner Sarah O'Connor, Queen of Queries, Lady of Literature, and Defender of Droids. And I'm Jedi Master Colleen McMillan, Lady of Loggers, Gryffindor Prefect, and Rebel Scum Collaborator, with the quick disclaimer that there's still much both Sarah and I desire to learn about Star Wars to earn the ranks that we carry. As a friendly reminder, Colleen and I will be discussing spoilers and using some adult content-y language, so if you haven't watched episode 4 yet, or if the idea of Wrecker doing a music video cover of Miley Cyrus's song, come back when you're ready for us to come at you like a wrecking ball. So without further ado, let's punch it, Colleen! Yahoo! Now, listeners... Let's hop into the Millennium Fandom for our episode recap. Our opening card this week is Trust Placed in Another is Trust Earned. What an ending for this arc. Intrigue. Exciting battle sequences. Wrecker and Crosshair engaging in delightful competition. Wait, are Anakin's eyes turning red yet? I don't know. Are they red? Are they, are they orange? Are they yellow? Somewhere in that spectrum? Okay, so there's a lot of plot to cover this episode. We're going to get right into it. Sarah and I talked about the episode title and what it could mean. And we came down to it pertaining to the Republic's unfinished business with Trench and the battles on Anaxes. But it could also point to Echo's feelings on his captivity as well. Absolutely. And with the narrator voicing our suspicions over Echo's motives for as long as agonizingly possible, we join Generals Mace Windu, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Anakin Skywalker in the command center trying to decide the best course of action while losing most battlefronts. It's still quite precarious. Echo crashes the briefing, wanting to help despite Rex's reservations. Mace wonderfully agrees to Echo's plan, ratcheting up our concern and anxiety as the battles rage on, and Mace will lead the ground forces with Obi-Wan while the Bad Batch take Echo to Trench's ship to feed him false information. Or so we think. Or so we hope. So we hope. So Mace and Obi-Wan, holy crap, this scene was amazing. They looked boss as fuck. They're attacking the assembly plant. They dive freaking down through that window dome. It was amazing. Then we have Echo, Rex, and Anakin and the Bad Batch successfully infiltrating Trench's ship. And they defeat the droid forces on the planet. Mm -hmm. But there's a wrinkle in this victory. The first wrinkle. There's got to be many wrinkles in the victory. Trench planted a massive bomb in the factory. That would destroy the entire planet if it gets set off. So Anakin braces to find (laughs) Trench, right? There's always got to be a bomb. Always got to be something else that happens. 
So he's trying to find Trench, get the code. Mace is like being all hero and shit, just dives down into the bomb area. He's waiting to deactivate it. Yeah. And I really found it to be quite endearing. And like for maybe the first time in the moment, I was like, oh, okay, it is a PG rated show. (laughs) And so it only took until the end of the arc to get there. But I felt it. Speaking of which, Anakin engages in some questionable negotiation tactics before hitting the final number in the bomb's deactivation sequence before delicately slaying Admiral Trench <laughs> once and for all. Naturally, mm-hmm. as a Skywalker, he of course then obtains a small but powerful self-destruct capacity for a large space vessel, which he kindly and a little bit surprisingly hands off to Wrecker, who swiftly and satisfyingly cripples the Separatist fleet. Back at the base, Mace and Obi-Wan congratulate Rex, Echo, and the Bad Batch and say they're getting medals. Somewhere, (laughs) somewhere, Chewie's and our ears perk up. Hunter offers Echo a place on the Bad Batch team, which made our hearts swell. Mm. And after a little bit of coaxing and encouragement from Rex, Echo chooses his path. He and the Bad Batch salute Rex as the episode fades out. <laughs> well, it was so beautiful. It was what so, a great ending. So good. I oh, loved it. I was satisfied. Loved it. Okay, so we're going to go into our theme a little bit here. Our theme for the week is going to be loyalties, which comes into play for most of the main cast. So both Tech and Hunter voice their concerns that Echo might not be there to help them. He might still be under Techno Union control. However... We're also going to make a big nod to our episode two's theme of trust, which has a symbiotic relationship to the chosen theme of loyalty here. Even though the title card references trust, it didn't seem to fit quite as well with the episode as a whole. It sounds more like Yoda talking to the younglings who have no clue what he's talking about. (laughs) So then the Jedi generals, they don't mistrust Echo at all. They're ready to follow his lead. They're desperate for a new angle and have to place their trust in him. And I think this loyalty theme will resonate throughout the rest of the series, possibly with the Bad Batch having to choose between their loyalty to their own group versus loyalty to the Republican Anakin. And likely Ahsoka will come into this as well. They're going to be revisiting their current and future choices, Anakin and Ahsoka. And what about the loyalty choice that Echo needed to make? Super sad much? Yeah. I felt very sad at first, but then of course happy at the end. Mostly sad for Rex, because he looks incredibly lonely walking away, even though he's extremely proud of Echo for making this choice. So it's like, thank you, Dave Filoni, for making me cry, making Echo choose between his loyalty to Rex and his destiny with the Bad Batch. Yeah, I'm going to be very excited to see how the question of loyalty, trust, and choices plays out for the rest of these episodes. Speaking of which, you look at Anakin, who, as per is starting to be the usual, takes a very dark turn this episode. His loyalty to his own agenda, which really ratchets (laughs) up, versus the Jedi code is really startling to watch as he takes down trench with zero remorse Mm -hmm. and no jedi council oversight you think oh Mm -mm. what's three hands and then bam so we know that his loyalty will be tested even more leading up to revenge of the sith and we know that he will fail those tests Mm mm-hmm 
Speaking about failing tests, even Tarantula-based Trench has his loyalties to take into consideration here. Anakin yep. threatens him, and Trench just laughs in his face and is like, oh, never, Duca would kill me for losing an axis. <laughs> but still, like, my dude, Anakin is going to kill you. Read Oops. the damn room. So even though Trench gives Anakin that last number in the deactivation sequence, he still tries to take Anakin out. So he is proving his loyalties to the Separatists, but also he did give them the code, so he probably knew Dooku was going to kill him, so he just tries tries anything he can. <laughs> to In my mind, Trench is forsaking his, what we know to not be the case, supposed loyalties to the Separatists. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, no Separatist is ever <laughs> loyal to anyone, anything but themselves, mm-hmm. and he trusts that Anakin will continue to follow the Jedi code, mm-hmm. but guess what? Nah. Shifting things up as we're starting to learn more about the different instances we get to see Anakin's change, we'll change it up and move on to our seven holocrons, our repositories of knowledge. Tell me that, General. We are going in. The first one, once again, we're going to make it a little bit punchier, our setting and time. Where are we and when are we, Colleen? All right, so we're back on Anaxes. So this has got the planet with all the multiple active war fronts. I think Mace says there's over a dozen, like... Yikes. Yep, yikes. So while Echo's rescue has put everyone in better spirits, Mace is still worried that they're going to lose the planet. And he has every reason to be. They're still using the algorithm. They don't have Echo's plan yet, so he's super nervous. This is probably taking place like a few days after Rex and the Bad Batch brought Echo back to base. Maybe a week, depending on how long it would take to get most of Echo's implants removed. Up to his warranty as well, I'm sure. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they called in. They got it all set to go. And since we kind of know generally who the players are in this episode based on our recap, let's jump straight to heroes and villains. What's the kind of objective for the three Jedi brothers who are back together? Mm, yep, we've got our generals, we've got Mace, we have Obi-Wan, we have Anakin. They're all getting along, they trust each other, they're looking out for each other. They know each other so well. So it's yeah. hard to believe that Anakin's fall is so close, just from these kind of interactions. I like that they shoot the Jedi issue armor, they're in their robes. It's another nice marker to where we are in the timeline, because they're not wearing any armor in Revenge of the Sith. So we're getting closer once again. And then moving on to our clone soldiers, we get to see how Captain Rex, Echo, and the Bad Batch are really starting to get along well, although there's a little bit in the critics' corner we're going to talk about regarding how realistic the development felt sped up. Maybe they ripped out a page of D&D's book when it came to Game of Thrones Season 8. <laughs> we're just not sure. But what is... Nice is despite some of the saltiness that we saw in tech early on at the end of the day, they're really getting along well. Mm -hmm. And that's the final taste that is left in viewers mouths. Exactly. And then for our villain, Admiral Trench makes a beautiful deathly swift (laughs) final bow and may we never forget his last foreshadowing words trench being a dick says a wise leader does not rely completely on things such as algorithms my personal strategy for victory is through total annihilation so this is after he discovers that the algorithm is basically useless 
and his droids have been downed by Echo's energy surge, he reveals his plan B, that massive bomb that's in the factory's fusion reactor. And he's just going to destroy the entire planet. It's fine. If he can't have it, nobody can. You got to respect a dedication to the separatist uh, culture. <laughs> and exactly. speaking of culture, we're once again not really seeing any new creatures. So let's turn our attention to our third and amorphously name-changing holocron, which today we're calling Cool Culture, to talk about Trench and his species. Colleen, take it away. All right, so these guys are called the Karch. They don't come up very often in canon, but when they do, it's really impactful. They're an imposing humanoid spider-like species. They've got six arms, two legs, six eyes, all (laughs) gross. And they have those creepy jaw-like pinchers on either side of their mouth. I know. (laughs) Gross. No, bad. So in Earth spiders, these little jaw things are usually hollow and filled with venom for incapacitating prey. (laughs) That's a nope. That's a nope from me. I'm noping right out of there. These guys are rumored to live for centuries, and Admiral Trench is supposedly one of the largest members of his species. So is he, like, very old? Bigger is older in this case? He probably is fairly old at this point, if he's that big and that smart and has that much going for him. We don't know exactly how old he is because, of course, it's just a rumor. Nobody really knows how long they live. Gotcha. But he's got that big shelob energy with those clickety-clackety voice things that he didn't know yeah Mm-mm. yeah and it's very it's very much speaking of the howling in the morning like aragog's funeral <laughs> oh yes yeah so much like poor aragog <laughs> and speaking oh. of hero slash villainy characters you mm. see as as you raised colleen when we were speaking villainous non-human creatures are kind of the uglier, traditionally evil creatures. The yeah. spiders, the amphibians, the reptiles, worms, insects. The hero mm-hmm. non-humans are often more beautiful, um, not necessarily vila-worthy, but cute mm-hmm. and non-threatening. And mm-hmm. and so you pose the question, you know, what's up, George and team? Where are my <laughs> sexy insects, pretty much? Right, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and so my my plug would be the book called Children of Time. The author, Adrian, does a completely different take on patriarchies versus matriarchies and does it with spiders and somehow it works. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's very sci-fi. So if you're interested, I mean, hi, you're listening to this. You're interested in Star Wars. <laughs> get, get up into space and maybe check out Children of Time especially as we're on this, depending on when you're listening to it, quarantine, now's the <laughs> yeah. time to enjoy a new audiobook. Mm-hmm. And then moving back to Trench's robotic pinchers, I really liked the aesthetics of it. And mm-hmm. part of me wonders if you could cool. make like a robotic shofar out of it, which... <laughs> Which, for those of you who don't know, Google Shofar, I just pretty much want to make, like, a horn out of his pincher. Because I... You can now. Yeah, I think it would be a really cool item, which is a great transition for us to speak to our fourth holocron, the cool item. Today, we chose Echo's armor 
because dude got a glow up. He's got a whole new mm-hmm. freshy frosh look. Colleen. He's looking sexy. Yeah, break down his fetchy new look. I mean, that all black and gray ensemble, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. rocking the neutrals, looking fabulous. He does have a couple new little accoutrements on his yeah. armor. He has that red skull, the little death skull thing. And this, like, it kind of echoes. See what I, see what I did uh, there? Oh, so. ah, oh, oh, you said the name of the, ah, da, 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 yeah, 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 I got it. It echoes, it echoes. It echoes the handprint from his original clone armor. So back in season one, Rex had kind of put his hand in some blood goo stuff, and then he put his hand on Echo's chest, leaving this blue handprint. So Echo changing to the red Bad Batch skull symbol evokes the choice he makes in the final moments of the episode. And the skull's also on the opposite side of his chest armor than the hand was. So he's moving away from Rex and his former life toward the Bad Batch and his new destiny. Yeah, it's kind of like a Where's Waldo foreshadow thing. It's mm-hmm. Like as soon exactly. as soon as I saw that, I was like, uh huh, mm-hmm. Colleen's prediction, one hundred percent accurate. Well, and I wasn't sure if they would maybe change things up from the mock-ups, but they didn't in this aspect, which made me happy because I really enjoyed that part. Gotcha. I was glad they did not change that. Like, yes, let Echo be happy for like a hot second. Yeah. See, and I came into it totally fresh. I didn't. I I don't look mm-hmm. at any of those things and I really really like how this arc turned out coming to it completely fresh I do too he does still have those little blue accents which is nice that kind of marker is of the 501st from Rex's blue armor mm-hmm. it's kind of an homage to his roots in the 501st which was really nice to see I thought it was kind of funny that he probably got this armor from either Crosshair or Tech. Yeah. <laughs> because they're the ones closest to his build. So that might be why Tech's even more salty. Like, he stole my shirt, guys. Yeah, like, and he looks better in it than me. He stole my stuff. Like, a and lot better, Tech. Sorry, my guy. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it, he just does. Sorry. But yes, his armor looks great. It's very, like, Mandalorian-esque. He still has the helmet with that little visor yep. kind of thingy. And it, it was really cool to see him evolve into this new armor. And then I also liked how weird the visor eyesight line mm-hmm. was. It looked really thin and hard to see out of. But every once right. in a while, we get a visual inside soldiers' helmets, and they can always mm-hmm. see perfectly. So I'm not that worried about it. I guess. Right. It's like, how are you seeing out of that? It's like a sheepdog. Like, how can you see through the, the fur over your eyes? Yeah. Yeah, they do do okay and speaking of whether or not something is effective or not there were two (laughs) really big flops for the separatists when they needed some wins first of all trench your electronic web spitter look cool (laughs) but completely ineffective so maybe you're compensating for something not gonna say anything second of Mm. all was the button that like (laughs) self-destruct button of course of course Mm -hmm. star wars provides us for like the pinnacle of an arc with a singular spot or device that can decimate an entire ship nay fleet of course (laughs) (laughs) of course well and it makes sense for trench a little bit because he's always like fleeing his ships kind of like general grievous so yeah he would probably want to take the button with him so he could destruct it while he was fleeing out the escape pod but come on what are you doing so let me just put this out into the ether because in 30 mm-hmm. years it's going to exist or sooner 
we're mm-hmm. going to get a comic book and or book and or movie of the person who creates that self-destruct button, just like we saw with the mm-hmm. with the Death Star designs. I'm calling it now. You heard it here first. <laughs> I don't care. Make it work, people. <laughs> yes. Oh, we also wanted to give a shout out to the Bad Batch. For making that ship signature scrambler work. Yeah, I like so that Hera visually. Uses that. That was yeah, very, it looks very so cool. cool. Yes. This is why you've got to invest in steam, folks. You can't get <laughs> yes. functioning, clever scientific devices if you keep suppressing the populations you defeat. Come on, separatists, <laughs> get it together. They really just need to. For real. Well, and the poor droids are just too easy to fool at this point. And we'll get to the Defenders of Droids section, but before we do, let's move on to Holocron number five, what we're adapting to rename a teensy bit as we continue to tinker and grow. We're changing our homage section to also incorporate Easter eggs, since Mm -hmm. some of these things are more Easter eggy instead of definitive artistic influences. So Colleen, what was maybe an artistic influence? Influencer, just a fun little kind of crossover regarding crosshair <laughs> and record that you really liked. They are so legolas and gimli from the Lord <laughs> of the Wings. I kept expecting Wrecker to yell, It still only counts as one when Crosshair uses one shot to take down dozens of the droids. Yes. It was really fun to see their camaraderie and how close they are, that they can needle each other like this, and that they have like an ongoing count of how many droids they've killed. Yes. They're like a fellowship. Dare you say? And for another Easter egg um, that you've made me certainly more attuned to, we see a poster in the Havoc Marauder, and it looks like a blown-up magazine cover. It pictures a clone trooper and says, History Monthly in that Erubesh language. The poster in the Havoc Marauder looks like a blown-up magazine cover. Colleen, Tell us more about Mm -hmm. it. All right. So it pictures a clone trooper and says history monthly in Arabesh. And it makes me think of magazines in our own world, like Time or Newsweek, which would often feature soldiers on their covers and then tell their stories in the magazine. This this is especially like World War II kind of propaganda-y magazine cover saying, yes, go military, rah, 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 that kind of situation. Right, right, right. And speaking of rah, rah, rah mentality... The gotta defuse that bomb trope (laughs) coming in down to the final seconds. Honestly, I was surprised. Mm. I didn't, I suppose this is sort of a micro critics corner critique that we don't address (laughs) below. But I was kind of like, what is going on here? But it is a PG, lighthearted pop quiz, Harry Potter, which potion do you need to drink? No, it's easier than Mm -hmm. that. No, it's harder than that. (laughs) kind of kind of wily coyote moment Mm -hmm. right and there wasn't even really a countdown so we weren't sure how long they had (laughs) they didn't even give us that like we knew it was tense and it was coming but we didn't have the exact time no idea (laughs) don't want to make the kids too nervous no and speaking of nervous purple lightning Mm. strike flash There was, during the very visually pleasing flight and fight sequence, some purple lightning explosions that we saw when the separatist uh, separatist ships were struck. 
And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the significance of purple, the light side, the dark side, balancing and mastering the force in the master and apprentice segment. But if there were any other purple lightning strikes that you, dear listener, saw that we missed, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter and send us the proof so we can give you a shout out for that. Because I I don't know, I really like seeing those purple lightning moments, especially ever since my girl Ray blew it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah. and you know what? Speaking of blowing it up... Let's move to our six holocron. <laughs> Darth Plotius, Colleen, take us away with our first dramatic irony on the episode and or what do we know that the characters don't yet know. So Anakin's telling Mace about Echo's plan to get all the droids in one location to take them all out with said blast. Delightful. <laughs> he says... He said we've got a lot more droids headed our way. I see Anakin is being as insightful as ever. I was told not to worry. It was all part of their plan. If I know Anakin, we've got the easy part. It's like they talk to one another so easily. It makes my heart hurt. Anakin is still light and jokey. Like, I legitimately reached over to Brendan. And I was like, oh, Mm. people, and, like, he he just loves Mm -hmm. Anakin so, so much. The faith, speaking Mm -hmm. of loyalty and trust, Obi-Wan does that in spades for his younger brother. And how easily they talk definitely makes both of our hearts hurt. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's so sad. Like, he's poking fun at Anakin, but he's still worried sick about him, just like a good big brother would be. And then you get Mace. He, we know he like he's not Anakin's biggest fan. Yeah. He's he's kind of like, mm, who's this upstart kid? But here he puts his trust in Anakin and the Bad Badge team, and it all works out. And so you're sitting here like, well, Mace might have believed in Anakin a little bit more after this, and soon it's all going to come crashing down. Like that rage is just bubbling beneath the surface, about ready to come out. Because as Admiral Trench says ominously, Mm. which gives us an increased bad feeling, they will put all their faith in the Jedi. And so it's tough Mm -hmm. looks all around. The Jedi we know will fail so spectacularly that their order is nearly wiped out and considered extinct. And those they fail to protect become absolutely dominated by the Empire and Palpatine's insidious plans Mm -hmm. and so this downfall anakin walking into the command center that was absolutely chilling Mm. with both Mm -hmm. the droid and trench backing away from him startled by his ragey aura Mm -hmm. he's given off vibes he's given off all kinds of bad vibes going back to that moment that we talked about to disarm the bomb. Never. Dooku would kill me for losing Anaxus. And you think I won't? You're a Jedi. You're no I don't have such weaknesses. Now let's try that again. Mm. So then Anakin, he's really sick at this moment of being held back by the peaceful take prisoners Jedi code. He slices off Trench's cybernetic limbs. Like, great. 
don't cut off his real limb yet, I guess. <laughs> That's one check mark that you get. So Anakin's eyes don't change color here. They don't go yellow, orange, red quite yet. But this is another step for him towards that dark side. Yep. And then Trench attempts to attack him. Anakin kills him with like zero remorse. None. He's done with this shit. He finds the ship's self-destruct button for Wrecker. And this will kill and destroy everyone on board. Whether they are droids or human, non-human beings. It's going to kill everybody. And then his ending line should make us very worried. (laughs) Even though Trench was a villain and may have quote-unquote, deserved to die. Still. Here we go. Anakin says, Admiral, it was a pleasure. And it's very in sync like, bye, bye, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Because the thing is, Anakin, it's the difference between whether or not you're being judge, jury, and executor, and that's exactly what Anakin's mm-hmm. doing, and that's where it goes too far, that's where it's and that's where the Bad Batch go too mm-hmm. far, and we can see mm-hmm. that what's what's troubling here, though, is even though that's morally wrong, it's effective, mm-hmm. and... Those kind of effective but morally wrong becomes validating cycles will Mm -hmm. just make it incredibly hard to, moving on to our seventh holocron, defend droids. How do we, Mm -hmm. as the droid liberation defense organization, protect these droids? (laughs) You see people like Hunter who say, I honestly Mm -hmm. feel bad for these droids. Yeah, we do Mm -hmm. too. We do too. In in my opinion, Mace rolling up, going titles, titles, titles in front of all of these droids (laughs) Mm -hmm. who he's never met before, kind of pretty much saying very mind warpy, very Daenerys Mm -hmm. Targaryen, agree with us or die. I don't Mm -hmm. fault those B1s for adorably hesitating for a second before screaming out, blast Mm -hmm. them. Right. Like, what? Why would we surrender to you? We're, you're outnumbered. <laughs> and and I think it's just because they're so flipping cute. But, like, during this massacre, mm-hmm. you see they're cowering, they're hiding. Some of them are shooting, sure. But when it comes to, like, mm-hmm. when it becomes inevitable, one adorably screams out, not the face. And it's not like, <laughs> it's not like my helmet my robotic yeah. whatever my plate my armor it's mm-hmm. not it's my head little pun like that's just <laughs> oh and record just crushes yes. it too just crushes the pork and face. so it's it's mm. it's totally funny and it's totally lighthearted and it's all part mm-hmm. of this almost like meta Peter Peter and the Wolf musical mm-hmm. moment, as like mm. all the Bad Batch kind of say like, "Oh, all's well that ends well." As droids are just yep. still yep. spasming with electrocution shots, shocks are just dead. Mm-hmm. But it is right. what it is. <laughs> it's Star Wars. <laughs> it <laughs> is what it is. More of it. They were trying to kill Mason Obi Wan, so. Of course, they had to be taken exactly. out in some way. But, oh. But, like, droid genocide. The for most real. adorable <laughs> massacre ever. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm hmm. And so, normally at this 
point in the show, we move on to the Master and Apprentice section, but we're going to be moving it towards the end of the show now that we are wonderfully getting listeners starting to email and or reach out to us with questions pertaining to both the current season that we're all watching together, as well as questions pertaining to things outside of the episode, kind of like the lightsaber mm-hmm. in water question, which was so, so cool, but didn't necessarily pertain to the episode. So what we're going to do is we're going to move that segment to the end of the episode for the foreseeable future so that if you don't want kind of spoilers to things outside of this show you can tune out when we start that last segment at the close of the episode now we've got a great feeling about that plan and we hope you do too to that end we're going to move on to our next segment i've got a bad feeling about this the critics corner Bum, 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 bum. Colleen, what are some of the things we didn't care for or are worried about? Characters, plot, etc. What are we looking at first? Mm-hmm. Take it away. All right. So my first thought on this episode is going into the macroverse. So kind of us from the outside looking in. Where do we go from here? Now, there are some fans who are still wondering if it was best to start with these Bad Batch episodes or to have them there at all, yeah. really. So besides loving Rex and being cool with any content they give us, I have I do have a feeling that Echo and the Bad Batch are going to become important mm-hmm. again. So these episodes did have meaning. Because after all, Hunter tells Echo, your path is different, like ours. So that kind of got my, my little brain yeah. a-churning. Like they might show up further into the season. And they might get stories of their own in future comics or books. So I... I think this arc really was important to the main narrative. It had me wondering. All it's kinds almost of like Disney really knows how to re-merchandise <laughs> stories and keep churning out mm-hmm. incredible things that further build on mm-hmm. lore. How how wonderful! I wonder how yeah, you do how do we that? do that? And I also wonder as I'm starting to salivate over Rebels season five <laughs> and the fact that. Mm-hmm. Um, Rex had popped up once. I'm wondering and hoping maybe there will continue to be some kind of crossover action. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We don't know yet. Moving on to our next point, we're just going to give shouts to Anakin murdering Trench and all of that foreshadowing that that means mm-hmm. before we move quickly to this question that was at the heart of our theme loyalty but that Mm -hmm. maybe technically kind of again like game of thrones season eight did we get enough of that character development to make it truly Mm -hmm. believable right colleen what do you think did we get enough backstory for it like i wish they had dealt with it more besides just one episode like maybe try showing echo interacting with other clone troopers then being really weary of him show him in isolation maybe and the toll it takes on him yep maybe have a conversation with rex about how hard it's been to reintegrate something like anything the resolution felt way too fast not quite 
earned yeah or worth making the viewers think he might be a spy for like a split second or, or that he was going to be taken over because yeah. there was that like one mm-hmm. very quick moment where i kid you not my heart actually mm-hmm. went like <gasps> his brain no where where he was <laughs> no. in for too long but it didn't go anywhere mm-hmm. which ultimately i confess no. i'm very relieved about but i yes, i, was I agree with you that it's kind of like i if if it was going to be there and it should have been more. there i wanted just a titch more mm-hmm. although you know what i got to say echo came out of that stasis chamber <laughs> strutting like a rooster best he could so maybe yeah. that's yeah. just how that's he great. rolls maybe he's truly <laughs> it's the new yeah, and improved maybe echo. <laughs> he's just truly the best of us all and he makes the best hire yeah. the bad batch ever makes mm-hmm. Moving on now, in light of this new and improved Bad Batch team, talking about who mm-hmm. won the episode, our best, best car, who did the greatest outer rim and inner rim job performance, who's our first award winner for the outer rim, who I feel quite strongly about. Mm-hmm. Indeed. That little musical cue for our winner because it ties in with what he does. (laughs) Our winner is the composer of the original score for the episodes, Kevin Kiner. Well done, sir. So we came up with a little bit of info on this guy, Kevin Kiner. Walt Disney Records statement says, honored with multiple Emmy and Annie nominations, as well as 12 BMI awards, Kevin Kiner is one of the most versatile and sought-after composers in Hollywood. In creating intimate soloistic guitar music over the grim realities of the Suarez Cartel, to grand orchestral music for a galaxy far, far away, Kevin's wide musical range has allowed him to take on such diverse projects as Netflix's hit series Narcos Mexico, Star Wars The Clone Wars, Showtime's City on a Hill, AMC's Hell on Wheels, Hey Y'all, It's About a Train, (laughs) CW's Jane the Virgin, CBS's CSI Miami, and Netflix's Making a Murderer. He also scores Warner Brothers' Titans and Doom Patrol with Clint Manziel. So that's quite a resume for our Yeah, I am Mm -hmm. forever grateful for good composers. Really, the music can carry a show Mm -hmm. and make me want to rewatch it. So like Kevin, my Mm -hmm. man... Bad Batch theme now available. Other songs I think are available on Spotify. Enjoy. Thank you, sir. Now, when it comes to the core, Colleen, I got to agree with you on this take. I had originally thought maybe someone else, but you laid it down. So I'm going to let you take this one away, too. Who is our winner? Winner. All right. So I did have Echo first. Me too. Me too. But upon a second watch... I really have to give it to our general Mace freaking Windu. I agree. He's showing up in this episode. Not only does he trust Echo's plan, like immediately, really, no reservations. He's all about that. He gives the droids a chance to surrender. Yes, he was a little Daenerys in his delivery of I've killed over 100,000 of you. So please surrender to me and we will treat you nicely. He at least gave them the Tarly choice. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Kneel or burn to death. (laughs) This is fine. That moment kind of gave us some really much needed character development for him. We're used to seeing him really stoic, 
this gives us some insight into how he views sentient life. Like, Obi-Wan looked shocked when Mace started speaking. Like, just totally surprised. Like, holy crap. I didn't know Mace had this I, in him. I killed Neither did so we, many Obi. thousands of you, darlings, <laughs> that truly giving you another minute to consider your inevitable doom is mm. truly no fuss at all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> right. Really. Really. Like, at least you tried, Mace. <laughs> he, that, but then he had that boss scene where he freaking leaps through the glass dome. That was the most iconic thing this episode. It looked so yep. freaking cool. They did their little hero land stances. It was great. But then he also showed incredible bravery. He descended into the factory's depths with no hesitation to defuse the bomb. And he was willing to stay behind as long as possible, even if it meant that he might die. Like, Obi-Wan's begging him to leave. And he's like, nah, I'm good. Just chilling. Just stay here and try and guess the number. Just trying to up my score. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, I just got to guess. You know, it's fine. He also orders all of the men away from danger, which was really nice mm-hmm. to see. He doesn't think these clones are expendable cannon fodder. Any of them. He tells Obi-Wan to get all the men out of there. He tells Rex the same thing. Says, don't worry about me, Captain. Just get your men out of there. And that shows really great So leadership. on the sliding scale of willing to expend clones, he's on the one side and Admiral Krull is on the other. And then all the <laughs> other Kong Jedi Krull. Masters mm. are somewhere in between mm. there. <laughs> right i think mace is edging toward anakin territory here where he's willing to give his own life for the clones which is very noble very very noble Mm -hmm. and speaking of noble i we really liked how the bad batch team at least how we've been left with them so far ended things out Mm -hmm. it was very precious that they didn't need mm-hmm. accolades and how they invited Echo in. Oh, so and it sweet. almost makes you forget, kind of like Tormund Giant Spain, how <laughs> reckless they are with other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> this kind of was a turning point for them. Like they were actually looking out for someone else. Let's switch it over to our final segment Master and Apprentice. Two juicy ones coming at you today. One comes from me about the Mortis arc relating to Rebels and the Father. And the other one is from a friend of the pod and a friend in life, Tori, who does reviews on season seven episodes. Mm-hmm. All right, so first we're going to start out with Sarah's question about Vader equaling the father. And I was so excited when Sarah texted me about this. I was like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Yes, that means I get to talk about it. And like, let me let me be clear. I'm a Padawan, but like not so low on the Padawan scale that I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, Vader's the dad. Like, no, 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 no. Right. That's not no, what we No, not mean that here. part. No. So, mm-hmm. Colleen, why don't we first, why don't you give us a little bit of the background of what we kind of mean about the mm-hmm. father separate from the classic Vader mm-hmm. father understanding of it before we get mm-hmm. into my question. Yes. Okay, so in season three of The Clone Wars, there is an arc called the Mortis arc where Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka run into these three basically immortal beings. No big deal. Called the, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, they're only the most powerful beings in the entire universe. This is cool. They are the father, the daughter, and the son. And this is what we mean when we're talking about the father in this episode. This is like the apex freaking mountain character using the force. Yeah. He is probably the most powerful force user. Besides, maybe, our little Anakin Skywalker guy right here. So then, for Sarah's question, I think that the representation of the father is going to be Anakin. And then we also have Ahsoka standing in for the light side version of the daughter. And then Ezra Bridger is, or was, since he found balance by the end of Rebels, the son. So then we get father, daughter, son, making our trio complete. So then Anakin as the father makes complete sense for two reasons. He is the chosen one. He proves it in this Mortis arc, and the father confirms it. He basically says, yep, you're the chosen one. <laughs> you, want, you want my job? What's interesting is, as someone who loves Game of Thrones and also mm-hmm. Star Wars, people always bark about like the Jon Snow meme. He didn't want it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anakin doesn't want it either, and we see what happens when someone who doesn't mm-hmm. want it but somehow has this omnipresent he should have stayed there. plot power moving him forward mm-hmm. to the inevitable. Yeah, he, he should have taken it even though he didn't want yep. it, and this is what happens mm-hmm. when you don't take yep. it. And it's so, yes. so sad. And so one of the things with the Mortis arc is the idea that the father is like, I'm done. I'm ready to retire. I'm mm-hmm. ready to be out. Yep. I need to be able to, I need someone who can take my place, who can handle yes. both the light and the dark. Mm-hmm. Anakin, yep. that's you. Who can take care of my kids? I need to babysit my teenagers. Yes, <laughs> yes. And Annie doesn't want any of that. He's already got Mm-mm. two of his own kids on the way. Little does mm-hmm. he know, because we're like, where we are with the time arc, it's very interesting how it keeps rippling and mm-hmm. reflecting across the galaxy. And a nice symmetry. Very nice symmetry. And 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 so beautifully woven over three decades, the fact that when we started with Anakin, he was the character without a father figure and mm-hmm. had certain force just, I mean, just... Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't talk about Qui-Gon. I kind of have a crush on him. Like, I, oh, like Swoon, yeah. You know, oh. he, and so and so he doesn't have this father figure and to ironically then be thrust into this position time and time again and mm-hmm. it never working out for the guy, like, yeah. yikes. It's all he wants really is to be a protector and to be a father. Like, he is excited about being a father, but not the kind of father that the Force wants him to be. And so speaking of which, it's Palpatine that gives Anakin Mm. his Darth moniker. Because one of the things that when I asked Colleen, I was just kind of musing the idea that you see like Darth Plagueis, the Mm play, like you see Maul. Mm -hmm. Dooku is Darth Tyrannus. Yeah, Tyranny. Bane. Bane. There's, they all have these dark like you could, you could just names. say danger death and yeah. and like slightly mm-hmm. tweak it with darth raki mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or valerian mm-hmm. and get mm-hmm. the darth name but with with anakin it's not death the destruction or whatever it's dad time mm-hmm. it's like yep. dad delorean for darth vader <laughs> which is really really interesting that even palpatine 
Un- he knows something. He's no, feeling yeah. something. Whether knowing or not or whatever, mm-hmm. he leans into that inevitable mm-hmm. or maybe not future mm-hmm. for Anakin. Or he's being a dick because he knows <laughs> that he knows that Padme died and took the Dude. baby with her. Or he quote unquote knows. So he's like either being a dick or he's getting some sort of weird force reverberation back to him. And that's another thing. That's another thing about poor Anakin. That like mm-hmm. dude is the most powerful thing ever and is supposed to be given like the creme de la creme position, but all he wants to be is mm-hmm. on the Jedi Council. And like mm-hmm. all of these little things in his life, people who he looks up to keep like <laughs> kicking him. It's, yep. it's yep. so mean. <laughs> it's like a constant meme thing for Anakin. Whatever he wants, mm-hmm. denied. <laughs> nope. Access denied. Mm-mm. Not this time. <laughs> And it's coming from all of his father figures, too, which is really... Yes. Except Palpy. Palpy's the only one who's sitting there like, I can give you what you want. Yep. So it's no Which is like wonder. the last thing you're supposed to give the teenager is what they want. And we also want to point out that Vader means father in Dutch. And the German word for father is Vater, so... People in those countries probably picked up on this a little bit faster than we did. Yeah, which I kind of liked with with Flo. It's interesting how she picked up and told us with respect to Severus Snape for Harry Potter. Mm. When there are language translations, sometimes Mm. Mm -hmm. it just becomes Captain Obvious. So thank you to our international friends and (laughs) colleagues who keep the spirit of the secret alive for us Mm-hmm. Monolingual idiots. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> All right, so then we're going to move on to our second question, which is really a theory. And this comes from Friend of the Pod, Tori's review. And this is from Tori watching Anakin kill Trench. Quote That when a Force user is pulling from the dark and light in equal measure, they are able to tap into more power than they can from one side alone. So, dabbling in the dark when you're accustomed to just light gives one a peak of power. But the problem is, with the dark's black hole-esque nature, unless you're talking about the Bendu, call out for our space moose, said force user ends up being dragged further into the dark and eventually can't access the light anymore. So their power finally flattens back down. But by then it's too late for them to realize what that tantalizing have-it-both-ways strength couldn't last. End quote. And I love this theory. It links back up to Mace Windu and his preferred lightsaber combat form 7. He has to be able to tap into the dark side while using this form, which is why most Jedi don't attempt it. You have to have a balanced mind and be able to pull back from the dark and not let it consume you. Mm -hmm. And this gives the user that little added boost. This feeds into Tori's thought that many Jedi probably access the dark side a bit in the (laughs) heat of battle but have to let it go immediately after. And this comes back to purple. So Mace's saber is purple, which is a combination of red and blue, combination of light and dark. So he is arguably probably one of the most balanced characters when it comes to balancing light and dark. Did you ever take a lightsaber color test? (laughs) Oh my, yes. Yes, I did. What's what's your color, boo? (laughs) My color is blue. My color is purple. Oh, watch out. Padawan Sarah is balanced. She can use the dark and the light. I love it. Okay, so now that we know that you're balanced, that leads us to the next part of this question that Tori had posed. 
So like using the dark side is a super easy way to access power. So don't go too far <laughs> yeah. when you're accessing it Pull because back. it has side effects. There are side effects to using the dark side when you're usually a light side user. So in Rebels, Ezra Bridger accidentally uses the dark side in season one. Mm -hmm. He uses it for like five minutes and it drains his physical and mental strength so much that he faints. Now, he doesn't faint in season three when he's linking with the Sith holocron using the dark side, probably because he's giving into it and fooling himself that he thinks he's using the dark side for good. But then in season four, he uses the dark side to close the portal to the world between worlds, needing to unlock the sun's portrait to do it. So the sun from the Mortis arc, he has to utilize the dark side to open yep. this portal and then close it. This time it makes him pass out again, which probably means he's more attuned with the light side at this point. So this brings us back to our little balance question. By being able to access both light and dark to open and close the portal, he proves that he's pretty adept at accessing both, which could lead to some issues down the road for our little lost Jedi, since the pull to the dark was activated yeah. again. That's more of a tinfully theory because we don't know yet what's going to happen with Rebels season five or sequel yeah i mean and that that is going to be interesting to see if and how that plays out since mm -hmm. ahsoka seems quite balanced in particular ways although i'm not yes. quite sure i've seen her use force choke i think at mm -hmm. least a handful of times at least once i believe well and it's okay because she's no jedi <laughs> <laughs> ezra has has balance Anakin, now that he's come back mm -hmm. to us, has balance. Ahsoka has balance. And Ahsoka. So it'll and be. And there are three yeah! our father, son, daughter. It will be really mm -hmm. cool to see what a balanced, holy trinity of sorts mm -hmm. might look like. So. Oh, be so dope. Yeah. Dave Filoni, Timothy Son. Make it happen. Make it work. <laughs> Make it work. We want more Thrawn. And so, and so we'll see what happens. Hopefully, maybe what mm -hmm. happens in season five of Rebels. Hopefully, what we get to see some of with Ahsoka um, as we finish Clone Wars season mm -hmm. seven. Until then, or during then, fingers crossed, <laughs> join us again next week so that we can geek out together about Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 5, a brand new arc, one that we know pretty much nothing about, as well as our Matilda episodes. We just finished up um, Chapter 7, Miss Honey, and should be posting Chapter 8 before this episode comes out. So if you haven't dove into those yet, try them out. Until mm -hmm. then, keep letting other awesome geeks who love exploring Star Wars know about BGS and let them know, guess what? Wherever they enjoy podcasts, <laughs> they can enjoy us. And particular mm -hmm. shouts, I've noticed that some of our clicks have gone up for epi like earlier episodes. So guess what, y'all? Your, your work is paying off. Mm -hmm. It really is. Send us questions you want answered during the Master and Apprentice section by emailing us at EGS, following and reaching out to us on Twitter and Instagram, and just getting deeper involved in our shared geeky community in a galaxy close, close to your ears and our hearts. Thanks so much. Sabers up and keep those episodes streaming. Star Wars, that was on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars. 
Season 7, Star Wars. That was on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Episode 4.